Good evening, lovelies. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, Candy, and Creatives, the Sunday Cinema Show. My creative tonight is actor James Grixoni. James originally came on the program to talk about one of my favorite films, Potato Dreams of America. But with a deep, thoughtful soul like James, of course, we veered off into psychology, philosophy, history, film history, and inclusivity. You know James from such films as sadistic, divination, and the details. But you might know James Best as Deputy Jesse Holcomb on Twin Peaks. This episode is brought to you by realtor Esther Greaves. She's been serving the residential real estate market in Kansas City Metro since 2006. She's licensed in both Kansas and Missouri. Her local areas include South Kansas City, Downtown Kansas City, Leewood, Overland Park, Lee Summit, and Cass County. You can find Esther at gladheartrealty.com. For all of your residential real estate needs in the Kansas City metro area, give Esther a call. This episode is also brought to you by Be Unique Brevard, the Space Coast premier magazine. You can go to beunique.org to claim your free copy today. Now, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage, cuddle up with your host pup and enjoy the show. Hello, how are you? Hey, how are you? Hi, and welcome. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I could go on and on about this film. I actually tweeted um, the other night. I was like, you guys, I just saw the coolest movie and I can't talk about it. This film, to get into it, it's so cool. I can't even like, I went into it knowing nothing. I like to do that. Mm -hmm. I like to go in, they send me a screener. I'm like, okay, what is it? And from like the beginning, I don't want to ruin it for anybody who's listening that hasn't seen it, but um, the part like almost immediate, it went from being, I'm just watching a movie to this is an experience. The fight with um, Potato's mom and dad. And then it goes into this like interpretive dance performance. And I was just like, okay, this tells me I'm seeing something so cool, so unique. I'm in it. I'm mm-hmm. in this. And I know that reading up on, on the cast and, and on the uh, the director, and it's a lot of theater background, so it makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. And absolutely. you said you were 10 years a bartender. Have you also done the theater? That's why I was a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> right. yeah, theater doesn't pay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, I got started in theater and yeah, real quick, a lot of love and a shout out to Wes Hurley that uh, wrote it, directed it, and it's the autobiography of his life. At the end of the film, you see him um, and the way that the way that the film ends is so meta and like so beautiful, uh, almost like it's a bookend to the Mm -hmm. whole story that that began. But uh, with me, it's yeah, I got started in musical theater of all things, Um, not really by like not by like aspiration, I guess. When I was a kid, I kind of wanted to mm-hmm. be a combination of Jim Carrey and De Niro. Um, but I fell into musical theater. I had a lot of like ADHD and like, you know, I'm like an atomic bomb trying to fit into a Coke class. That's the kind mm-hmm. of personality I have. Um, and we, I did musical theater. Then that moved to, I played Peter Pan um, at a main stage theater down here when I was a kid. Uh, and then that led into film. And my first major film was two at the same time. I played an angel in a movie called Divination. <laughs> it's, at this age, it's one of those movies I look back to and I'm kind of like, hey, that's, that's me. 
And then the the other, I had a, an amazing opportunity to uh, work under Tobey Maguire, so the guy that played Spider-Man. I was his body double in a film called The Details, directed by Jacob Aaron Estes. Great guy. Um, and then that's pretty much that's pretty much where things started to happen. Mm-hmm. I know, like I'm sure you know, just like I is there's so much unpredictability and so much up in the air, especially when it comes to like actors or uh, kind of artists leading their own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And bartending. <laughs> Yo, the, bar- the bartending was amazing, and that actually kind of led into how I got on to Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no, there was no script, there was no dialogue for me to read. And it was really funny because when I got the audition, mm-hmm. they, w- they wouldn't tell me what it was for. And so I looked at my mm-hmm. girlfriend. I was, I was like, man, it's for a Ford commercial. I'm out of here. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sell out. And um, she told me, and she was just like, go, just go. And so I went, and then that's when they interviewed me. And they were like, what do you do for a living? And I was like, well, I'm a bartender. And they're like, what do you like about bartending? And I said, uh, you learn that everybody's the same and that's beautiful. Uh, We all wanna be listened to, we all wanna have a good conversation and we all just wanna have a great time. And uh, I think that's what got me the role. Could you imagine if you didn't listen to your girlfriend, you were like, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah, you know, that's a a good question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause just like with Twin Peaks blowing up and me having this honor of even sitting with you is there's so many, so many situations that come into this kind of semi-fame or this pursuit of climbing the ladder of the entertainment industry, it's Mm -hmm. equally as enjoyable as it is stressful. Um, And I think about if I didn't take that audition, I I probably would have, you know, been like an electrician or, you know, Mm -hmm. go go to, go to school. I'd be on the, I'd be on the street lifting my skirt. (laughs) 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 Well, that's why I'm a student. I got to have something to fall back on, you know? Are you a student? I am. What are you studying? Journalism. Hey, congratulations. That's a huge deal. Congratulations. It's hard. It's so hard. I'm so close to the finish line that I'm borderline uh, terrified, but Mm -hmm. I'm in the same boat as you, though. I'm 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 in school right now too. Um, oh, okay. Two classes a, a quarter, which I actually find are is a really awesome doable process. I'm going to graduate a little bit later, but it's better than just like making your brain go psycho for you know four straight years. Uh, but I'm studying psychology, so oh, God. yeah, yeah, with an emphasis on what media does to people too. So that's, I love that. That's yeah especially today in today's world it's kind of uh with what we're being fed in the media it's really important right now to study that oh my god absolutely a psychology was actually one of the first classes i took and i didn't choose it because Mm -hmm. i had fought with um and as a student you probably know this i had i had fought with like financial aid and everything just getting it going that by the time it was in to pay for classes i they were like well, this is what we have left available for this semester. Yeah. It was uh, psychology and humanities, which was, oh my God, humanities is a wonderful class. But I was like, psychology. And they're like, well, you need it. And I was like, well, obviously. <laughs> they're like, no, <laughs> you need it for your degree. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, you're like, you're like, uh, obviously, while your eyes twitch. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> what do you I'm mean? Talking to my- <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Now, what do you mean by that? I mean, yeah. it's, it's not an easy course. Anybody who wants to go in and be like, oh, I'm going to take psychology for my elective. No, honey, it's hard. Yeah. It's a very, you have to think in that class. You have to pay attention. You learn about the different parts of the brain. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready, but um, I passed it. I got a C, I think. Hey, but you're congrats. right. Thank yeah. you. Um, I'm doing okay. <laughs> but, good, good. Uh, but it was so funny. One of that you said that about the media, one of the papers I did, and I don't remember, it, I don't think it was for psychology. I think it was for actually like communications or something, was on, oh my God, I forgot the title of it. And I was so proud of it for the longest time. But basically, it was about this um, instant outrage that people get via the media or social media and I started it with talking about the gorilla that got shot because the kid fell in its enclosure mm -hmm. uh was it Harimbe I think his name was and yeah. I was like people were livid people were you know threatening uh to get the kid taken away from its parents and all of this stuff and I'm like do you guys even remember where it happened do you remember the, the gorilla's name this instant outrage that people get so pissed off people get so like like a mob mentality and all the while driven. all the while they're stepping over homeless people on the street and mm -hmm. you know mass consumerism and feeding into the corporate capitalistic world mm -hmm. yeah it's it's so interesting and that's why i feel like it's important to study you know if you want to go all the way back to you know like um you know studying nazi germany with goebbels uh, where where propaganda really became like a full force. Um, in fact, one of the first photoshops, I don't know his specific name. I want to say he was like Eastern European, but he was a dictator. Uh, one of the first photoshops was he had a short arm and they elongated his arm to make him seem like he didn't have a disability. What's that, you know, how that lands with people. Um, real quick too about your college what i'm finding is it's not so much the grade it's connecting it's networking with the teachers and the educators and the institutions in the school i'm finding that as like as james to be uh more important than like an a just because you know you, you develop these relationships and it's those people who can kind of direct you into another place as well right right yeah. and and it's through school that I that I found the unique. So it's like, exactly. I'll be honest with you, I was looking for a job. <laughs> I was looking really? for a job. And I was like, ooh, I could work for a magazine. That would be awesome. And then it was like unpaid intern opportunity. I was like, Tint. yeah, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll pay off because it, it's keeping me inspired to keep on the path that I'm on. And like, like I said, getting to talk to super cool people and seeing that these people that for a long time I have had like way up here like oh who am I to even like think that I could have anything in common and it's like oh okay they're crazy too no but uh oh yeah no find, they are <laughs> yeah you find a lot of things in common and people that are like oh my god yeah you know I was talking to a young actress the other day and it was so funny because we started talking about her film which long story short, led to a talk about uh, finances and how uh, nowadays and young people specifically and how, you know, the struggle and things like that. And I'm like, wow, this is like an actress. She's got two homes, you know, and I'm wow. like, but they still have the same 
well, a lot of them have a, the same thought process. They're frugal. They're conscious of the environment, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, been, it's been a super cool journey. But this is not about me. This is about you, James. Oh, no, I love, love, I already love your story that you're sharing because it's, it's, I can connect to it. So thanks. <laughs> oh, you yeah. So tell me about your show though. What are you going to be, what are you going to be doing? You said it's going to be kind of related to the bartending conversations that you've had or. Well, you know, I'm in the midst. Oh my God. I'm in the midst of probably the busiest I've been since Twin Peaks came out. Um, I, with Clint uh, during the pandemic, we started a podcast called the production meeting. And we interview, yeah, we interview, especially for me, I'm kind of in the same boat. I grew up, you know, in poverty, you know, somewhat poor, uh, in just a broken household. And so, you know, the, the idea of rubbing shoulders with David Lynch or Toby Maguire, Ray Liotta, all these, all these quote unquote legends, you know, I always dreamt about it, but I guess there was that negative voice in my head that was like, ah, go get a real job, you hippie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but Again, like as as you pursue your passions, I, I find that like the universe or doors open up and Clint was one of those people. And we started this podcast at a production meeting. And, you know, I, I got to interview a whole plethora of celebrities and and writers and directors and producers. And it was really interesting because every one of these artists had the same thing to say at the end of the conversation. Uh, and that was create for creation's sake and relinquish your expectation and you know that really got me thinking about why am I in this industry and you know who do I want to be in this industry and I guess I'm 33 now and it's funny because I'm kind of relent I guess I'm 33 what year is it 20 <laughs> um, uh... yes, I still it's still 2019 in my head mm-hmm. um and yeah it's this idea of just as James is like you have no control over getting cast. You have no control over people's reception of you. Um, I also find, you know, my own personal opinion, we kind of live in like a hater aid sort of a generation. A lot of mm-hmm. people kind of, they, they want to hate more than they want to enjoy. And so as, as me, it's much more like, again, it, it's really a relinquishing the expectation because I feel like as myself, I bleed art, um, whether it's music or photography, acting, whatever. Um, and I think it's just about birthing it. Just, you know, keep, if you're going to have blinders on, keep the blinders on, but looking towards what lights you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A haterade. I love that. It's so funny. You said that because I was just on the Twitter and someone was saying, Oh God, was it Paul Young or Neil Simon? Anyways, one of them, and I know don't get them mixed up, but one of them, was it Paul Young? It's going to bug me, but anyways, they're, they want to get <laughs> They want to get off Spotify because they don't agree with um, Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and they don't want to share a platform with them and the haterade, you know, life that we live. So people were like, you know, who is he to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh, he's just one of the most prolific singers and songwriters ever. But because because you are a fan of this person or you like this person, you have to hate the other person. It doesn't make sense to me No, that if that person hates that person, that's their business. Mm -hmm. I don't see why we have to have, again, with the mob mentality of, well, because he hates them, I'm going to hate them too. That's, it's stupid. Well, even for, even, go on, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, and like you said, it's driven by media. It's driven by social media. Yeah. And even, I mean, you're talking about something like uh, Joe Rogan. It's important to some people. 
and I, I feel like even like socio-political issues or I know, you know, I play a trans woman in this film and, you know, I was deeply, I would, I'm still deeply afraid of even giving this interview of, you know, my words getting taken out of context because, you know, lack of a better word, I'm, I'm basically like mostly a heterosexual guy, white, you know, I'm not very popular in the, the societal spectrum these days of just the aesthetic. And, you know, the, the fear of the hate kind of uh, arises, but ultimately it's like, I'm an actor. I got hired to play something. I'm doing right. it with the most mindfulness and, and intelligence that I can. But I find people that hate, it's like a cancer. You know, mm-hmm. the more you hate, the more it's just going to eat away who you are. And you could be spending that time doing something more constructive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it's kind of what blows my mind is there's like 60 year olds <laughs> just taking mm-hmm. a crap, crap all over, you know, a celebrity. And in my mind, I'm like, brother, man, you got to get off the Internet, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Don't you don't you have something to do, Grandpa? <laughs> but um, <laughs> hey, go make go make love to Grandma. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> See, yeah, you don't have to worry about it on this show because I say the stupid stuff, so don't worry about it. But <laughs> I'm like, if I got canceled, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was never anything to begin with, so cancel me. I don't I I don't ever come into here and say something intentionally offensive or it's never intentionally stupid. But, you know, that's just God's blessing. I'm never like intentionally hateful or intentionally uh, offensive. But I will ask questions. I will ask questions. I'm never intentionally offensive, but I'm also painfully curious about things to the point where it will drive me insane if I don't know something, which Mm -hmm. makes me a horrible partner in a a romantic relationship. But I'll ask and I'll always say, for instance, if I have someone that's in the queer community, their words, you know, I'll say, please, you don't have to answer. You can tell me that I'm a moron. You can, you can curse me out if I offend you in any, in any way. And I'm simply asking because I don't know. So mm-hmm. I feel like if you approach it like that, they're kind of like, cool. And they'll answer, but going to the, the trans and especially with the acting, um, they gave Jared Leto so much hate mm-hmm. For, for playing, I forget the character's name and I apologize, in the Dallas Buyers Club, they're like, yeah. that role should have gone to an actual trans woman. And I'm like, that's so hard to say because did trans women audition for it? Were they aware that the, the opportunity even existed? Is that Does that lay on the director's shoulders or the, the casting director's shoulders? Where does the blame lie? Don't be that's, mad at the actor that got the job. Well, that's what doesn't, it doesn't make any sense too, because it's like, I, I guess it can make sense in some, some viewpoint of it, but ultimately it's like this, you're, 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 you're talking about a multi-billion dollar budget mm-hmm. uh, mainstream film that relies on celebrities to sell the movie, um, as well as if you think about the people who run Hollywood, it, to me, it, to me, it seems kind of like uh, they are uh, money hungry sex freaks that you know just want to do drugs and and have this mm-hmm. sense of power. And and I took a film class too, and you know the, it, it's most it is it, it for for all the women that you see um, that are the filmmakers that are coming out uh, and the film and the the women who are becoming CEOs of these companies. It's still mostly a male dominated. Uh, industry and so you're you're it's like you're getting mad at a very solidified perverse spectrum and i i feel like instead of getting mad at jared leto for you know portraying someone like that it's like we live in an age where anybody can make content and get billions of views so 
you know, whether you're gay, you're straight, you're trans, you're white, you're black, you're Asian, you're Hispanic, you're, you're anything. It's like you have a platform now. So utilize it and, and maybe kind of chill out on the, um, the intense judgment. But again, uh, greatest advice my dad ever gave me is all you have control over is how you react to something. And so, you know. All right. Absolutely. And it's crazy to think that moving pictures, movies have been a thing for what, a hundred years, give or take? Uh, a little over. Yeah. I think the early 1910s. Actually, the, the late the late 1800s, they had a camera attached to a monorail in Germany and you could take a whole trip around uh, uh, where that, that track went. And, and then you go was. into like the movie uh, studios and it's like a hundred plus give or take years and we're now having uh women in a place of power we're now having um an uptick not significant mm -hmm. yet but an uptick in uh latino latina director um content mm -hmm. you know films and tanto, you know things like that i don't understand like what took so long women that's a have phenomenal, had phenomenal question yeah, um, women, women have had voting rights since you know <laughs> i don't even know when but and we've been in the workforce, not to be all women, but women have been in the workforce. Latinos have been in the workforce, Asians, Blacks, everyone. What took Hollywood so long? Why? That's a, that's a phenomenal question. Here's a little history lesson. Uh, women actually dominated the film industry in the 30s and 40s. Um, mm. And there were also a number of gay and uh, very forward thinking uh, filmmakers who were challenging the uh, Americana system of, you know, we want to, you know, uh, oh, what was it? It was, it's okay to show violence, but you can't really show sex in a certain way. No gays. Um, uh, people who are black have to play certain roles. So women and forward thinking men. Uh, actually dominated the industry at one point, but then the studios actually took, uh, they basically, they just wiped the women out. They were just like, nope. And then they took the men and put them on trial and actually sent a couple men uh, to prison for promoting ideas that weren't American. And mm -hmm. so it almost feels like it's not, it's not just, it's not just like, you know, here on my, my camera, it's not just like a, an increase like this. It feels like it's almost a wave. Mm -hmm. I think. I think ultimately is once you kind of overthrow, I guess like the capitalistic mindset. I think of like being only monetary based and playing on the very lack of a better word, dumb aesthetic of entertainment. I think that that's why you see these these women coming out because they have deeper stories to tell. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you know you see black filmmakers coming out because they have deeper stories to tell. Mm -hmm. I know this is going to sound kind of uh, a little because this is a mainstream film, but I watched the movie uh, Candyman. Uh, mm. Totally had totally had no expectations of the new new revamp version of it, and it was an all black cast. I watched it. I didn't even like. I didn't even watch it thinking like, "Oh, it's all black people," but it yeah. was it was a story with immense depth and also kind of looked at things with a different perspective. And I feel like that's what's necessary and that's like real entertainment is thought-provoking mm -hmm. things versus watching spider-man for the 50th time and you know a white guy with the broad shoulders and abs and like you know i grew up with the age of fight club and that mm -hmm. was as my all-time favorite movie funny uh, funny statistic about that that film is basically an anti-capitalist film it's sort of a juxtaposition and as soon as that movie came out guess what happened Gym membership skyrocketed and the sales <laughs> of leather coats skyrocketed. 
So it's almost like it's almost like people kind of miss the point of the film yeah. because they just you know want to be Brad Pitt. So yeah, I think it's an ever ever evolving process. I don't know where we're at uh, as a culture today. I think you can look at it many different ways, but as James, I'm trying to enlighten myself as much as I can. Right. Yeah. And I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to like delete the last three minutes of our conversation because the first rule of Fight Club. Is we, don't we don't talk, talk about, about Fight Club. And that's the second rule. <laughs> oh, is it the second one? What's the no, first it's, one? No, it's one, it's one and two. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the third is no shirts, no shoes. <laughs> <laughs> no service. But um, yeah. no, but yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. To isn't that a oh god, to like um, be so immersed in something that you didn't notice that they were all black or that they were all women or or you know, you didn't he didn't even know because not that it wasn't important it didn't change the story i guess is how you say it no it didn't and in fact yeah. it made it a little more entertaining because again i'm a white guy i'm only talking like there's nothing that i can understand that i'll never understand certain things but i will say that it is more interesting it's it's a different perspective when you know you see what it's like with an asian individual coming at mm -hmm. telling a story because that's such a unique different perspective than just mm -hmm. a traditional caucasian white person you know, I did this. I did this thing with Wes Hurley, who directed Potato. Uh, we did this workshop together a while back, and that's where I, I uh, met him. And we did the same scene in front of a group of people. We did this, the same scene, but the first time we did it, it was me with a white dad, and you know mm -hmm. the interaction. Then you took a black kid with a white dad, saw that interaction. Then you took a uh, Asian woman to play the white dad's role, and oh, you took wow. a black yeah, and you took a black kid to interact, and. It is absolutely jaw-dropping how you just see these dynamics change. It's not even intentional. It's just so effortless because it's everyone's got their own experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds so cool. Talking about Potato really quick because the list of the cast list for this thing is mm -hmm. pretty sweet. Yeah. Pretty sweet. I sat there and I was staring, Justin Michael, I was staring at uh, the grandma and I'm like, God, I know her. I know her. I know her. I finally Googled it. And I was like, oh my God. Um, and then oh. the guy, who uh, the dad from Wonder Years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dan Loria. Really nice guy. Um, mm. But yeah, it was one of those things that, I, you know, if you watch the movie, you understand the connection between him and I. And I just remember kind of, I remember kind of being like, dude, I never thought I'd ever play the younger version of the dad from Wonder Years. <laughs> you know, like, right. well, these things just happen, you know. But yeah, it's an, ama yeah. an amazing, amazing cast. Who the hell are that? It is an amazing cast. And especially for a Seattle independent film, mm -hmm. like, knock on wood, because Seattle has some of the best filmmakers and talent and mm -hmm. idea and idealists and creatives that I've ever seen. Like I've, I've, I've jumped to LA uh, on the East Coast and there's just something about Seattle. I think it might be the progressiveness or it might be just like a lot of bleeding hearts up here, but the stories that uh, are told up here are absolutely phenomenal. And you're in Seattle now? Yeah, it keeps bringing me home. Uh, I'm from here, I'm from West Seattle, Alki Beach. What do you call it? I, I was in a movie, I played in a punk band and a movie in Philadelphia which Philadelphia is the most beautiful, crappiest looking city I've ever seen. It, it is the weirdest thing because there's so much culture, but there's so much dilapidation. It's insane. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then in California too, it's just as, as James, California is a little too plastic for me, um, too fast, just very yeah. too commercial. And so Seattle has a romance to it as well as um, there's such a, like a backdoor hotbed of creatives up here. And mm-hmm. honestly, they shot Twin Peaks up here. So I feel like with what I'm doing, it's working out for me. I know. Yeah. It's so funny you said that about Philadelphia because um, they say in, I think it's, yeah, San Francisco, it's gorgeous. The architecture, the roads, the bridge. Um, but mm-hmm. then there's a there's a pile of, of human feces on the sidewalk. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, oh my God. Philly's the same way. Yeah. That's so sad. Yes, yeah. but that's also, I think, the unfortunate fact is it gives a character. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then if you want to break that down, that's just a total, like, you know, social infrastructure issue. Uh, yeah, because San Francisco is one of the richest. But mm-hmm. then, yeah, like you say, it's like, I live in a $5,000 one bedroom, but then I come downstairs and there's a guy dying right there. And so, yeah, yeah it's interesting times. And now you have your thesis, you know. <laughs> Yeah, right. No, I mean, it, and it's cool that you're doing journalism and I'm kind of tackling things with psychology because it's both like an inquiry mm-hmm. uh, as to just what's going on in my surroundings. And so, you know, I think we're both on a, a good track of, of mm-hmm. growing as people. So I just realized something. I just connected mm-hmm. the journalism with my inability to not know the answer to something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The innate curiosity that comes from it, yeah. too. Yeah. And, yeah. and I won't stop digging, you know, ask my ex-boyfriend. Well, and I mean, digging too is, it's that plays into acting is, is like, it just, it is, it's like my whole job. That's why I took this role too, is, um, you know, I, I, as an actor, I'm curious and I don't ever, it's not every day I get asked to, to play this kind of a person or a role. And there's almost like this innate obligation within me as an artist to just be like, dude, I have no idea what this is like. So I, I want to investigate. And I had the honor of taking a trans woman out to dinner. Um, it wasn't really dinner. We were just having some beers. And it was one of the most awkward, most enlightening, eye-opening and like leering, like looking at myself and being like, and the, the way I walked away from it was just, if you ever feel like you have an issue or you've got a problem that is a difficult thing to deal with, there's someone out there who's having it a lot harder. And that also plays into potato too, is, you know, this idea of running away from yourself just to find that at the end of your journey, the, all you had to do was just love yourself and embrace yourself. And, um, you know, I think that's a very human human condition, mm-hmm. especially in the, the world we live in. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not to like spoil anything, but there's a part uh, with Little Potato and he's sitting on the couch next to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and I forget which uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie it is, but it's very, it's, it's just funny because Little Potato and I'm a huge fan of potatoes and generals, which, which really caught my eye when the email came across. I was like, potatoes, but um, mm-hmm. his classmates, they're like, oh, if you're a fag, you walk funny or, you know, and mm-hmm. please, I'm just saying that in, in context of the attitude of the kids in the film, I don't use yeah. that word. Um, yeah. So he tries to walk right or what he thinks is right. And he wasn't walking weird to begin with, but then now he is walking weird because he's trying to not walk like, mm-hmm. you know, like that. And then he's got his little incident sitting next to Jesus on the couch. And that was so clever because 
I'm sure that there's kid, boy, girl, whatever, um, that have some sort of feeling like whatever religious icon or, or manifestation of their religion, they feel like they're literally there watching them. So to have it like there and in plain view and happen just to be kind of weird too, or like a kind of a, like a part of the family, mm-hmm. it was, it was just so cool because yeah. it, it, underlying message yeah maybe maybe Um, i read too much into it but that was what i got from it no i think that i honestly i think that's a beautiful interpretation because you could also have gone a completely different route to give it a darker theme or it could have been too it could have been too corny and i i feel like with this kind of lightheartedness in a period where he's having probably the most difficult time of his life mm-hmm. and then you've got jesus coming in kind of being this sweet charismatic individual i like feel a like big a brother fed, yeah like a like yeah like a bigger gayer brother and you know <laughs> ha- having having that influence too while you're trying to figure out your sexuality you know and funny enough too you don't even need to be in russia to have that fear because mm-hmm. i remember back back in middle school you know you're trying to figure out your sexuality and i remember you know i was like am i gay am i straight you know what am i and mm-hmm. i remember i remember that too is like you know the you don't want to be called you know the f word what you just said uh, i'll spare that for the podcast mm-hmm. but you know you don't want to be called that you don't want to get beaten up for kind of having uh, maybe a self-perceived femininity and you know, so you ultimately have to, I think that's a human condition is you have to come to terms with who you are. And, you know, as I've grown up, I've gotten a lot more grounded in myself, which I think kind of allowed me to play this role because I've talked to a lot of, you know, my straight dude friends and, you know, they look at me like, dude, I don't know how you could play that role, man. It's like, because I've gone through the crucible of figuring out who I am and I'm okay mm-hmm. with who I am. And again, like I, as James, love exploring different avenues of being. I also, I teach yoga and I've taught meditation in the past. So I also have this kind of perspective that we're actually like, we're not solidified in anything. We are always a malleable kind of a, uh, an expression of life consciousness. And so I definitely try and take that into my work, which I think serves me as an actor as well. That's but yeah, so- that's, a, that's a good, that's a great interpretation of the film because I'm glad you saw it like that. Uh, that because it, it could have gone a million different ways, especially when they broke uh, the mom and the grandma fight. I remember mm-hmm. watching that in the theater and just kind of thinking to myself, you know, that could be a really hard scene, but it had a comedic undertone. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and and I love the way that Wes did that. And I mean, we could we could spend another hour talking about just the way the look of it, the, the way that um, scenes were set up when Potato is at his grandma's office, and it's just like this theater set looking scene Mm -hmm. that was so freaking cool i was like "Ah, i love this and the incidents do you know how long it took me to figure out that his mom was a doctor and that was her job i thought it was like something going on in her head and i was like and i was like wait wait is this how she's getting her boyfriends hold on what's going on and then i saw her in the jacket and i was like wait a minute i think she might be a doctor like you said it's thought-provoking and confusing and a good way confusing in a way that it makes you be more interactive or invested in it I guess you pay more Mm -hmm. attention for sure rather than and like some movies you just watch them because they're fun or they're you know they're bright and they're colorful kind of like we're babies in their toys you know yeah and then there's the other ones where we're really focused and we're like oh my god that's yeah Oh, that's cool. Oh my, oh, okay. Okay. This is, and you have, a, I think you have like a more fulfilling experience. 
also to comment on uh, like you said it's like a theater set I yeah, god man I, I when I saw it in theaters I had like three beers because I was so nervous to watch it <laughs> and then and then after I watched it the one thing I had to do was go find the cinematographer and I forget his name god bless it but um I had to go find him and I found him and I was just like my dude whoa because uh, it almost looks like a Wes Anderson film you know to work on a film that is like so beautifully shot uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how, how big my part is it's like I'm, a, I'm associated with this creative uh, endeavor and um, yeah I, that that's and then also I got to comment on too is what I noticed with the film is it's almost like it's almost tailored to the short attention span uh, generation that we are because mm. it, it it paced out like I never was left sitting there watching the film like where's this going dude it just kept, no, it kept right. going it kept going um and I think that that's great editing as well the yeah. whole everyone behind the scenes was just amazing so, yeah <laughs> it is really really good I mean for me to like go on social media and be like you guys um because I'm not like I'm very excited about the projects of people I talk to and I will promote the hell out of them and I'll be like oh my god retweet you know Mm -hmm. but this actually made me like go to social media specifically to talk about it but I couldn't talk about it but uh, you know so it's just it I don't want to say it's cute it's not cute because it it is a really like heartwarming and deep story but it's also Mm -hmm. cute (laughs) but um, it is I just and you're right about the Wes Anderson like uh link because it does come across kind of I don't know, fun and like funky and like you're right about the shots, like all of that stuff. It's just, it's so good. And you said you saw it in theaters. Was that like the premiere or can people go uh, to the theater? um, I think it's playing in theaters in LA and in New York. Uh, I want to see East Village or Greenwich. It's in New York. And um, yeah, I saw it in theaters in Seattle uh, and everyone was there. The cast was there. And it, again, like it was, it was an overwhelming experience because I was like, wow, you know, this is wow this is it somebody made something yeah. i'm associated with and yeah I, I all those all those sensations and all those feelings that i experienced was all right there watching the film mm-hmm. wes gave me wes gave me a, a link to a screener and i may have just been like where's my part <laughs> you know, <laughs> when i was watching it and so you know it and you know and funny enough i thought it was interesting because when i was watching the screener I, I was kind of skipping through a couple things and just trying to find my part and it was interesting because i kept landing on a few sexual scenes hmm. and i was i was watching it and i was just kind of like yo is this going to be like a really hypersexual film that is like you know definitely promoting like gay culture and i was just kind of contemplating that and i was like oh okay you know i'll I'll, t- I'll tackle it with that kind of a mindset when i'm doing interviews you know but again like i don't want to be a representative for anybody just me mm-hmm. but but then when i sat in the theater i realized i was like oh i skipped to just the very few sexual scenes mm-hmm. and, and that this is a story that's not about sexuality it's a deeper story but it's just presented just like what we were talking about, where you've got uh, black people telling their story, gay people, trans people. And so it's I watched it and I was just I was so taken aback at the end of the film. I almost wanted to cry because I was just like this guy cut through all the noise and told a story about love and not mm-hmm. like love between somebody else, which, again, when he was, you know, going through that, you don't really see a lot of romances Mm-hmm. I feel like the romance is with themselves mm-hmm. and, and re- rekindling that and, and 
embracing that. Because yeah. little potato, little potato was constantly trying to uh, change his world around him into this like cinematic or like tele television type storyline and and mold his world to be like what he saw on in American movies and things like that. And at the end of it, he he had to like mold himself, I guess, or come to terms with himself. Yeah, yeah, I, oh, that's crazy. I feel like I'm kind of there as, an, as a human being because mm -hmm. movies, movies are so influential. I mean, it's everybody, you know, like movies are, movies are, movies are the modern day campfire. We sit around to mm -hmm. learn things. I, I, I feel you, it's, it's one of those things where it's like my whole life has been a pursuit of entertainment, a pursuit of film and a pursuit of this idea of a lifestyle. And the older I get, it's interesting. When I was young, I wanted to rule the world. And now mm -hmm. as an adult, I'd be lucky to have a piece of the pie of my own little slice. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I feel like I'm there as well, where it's this kind of acceptance of who I am and a grounding, and a mm -hmm. grounding of who I am, which I think, it, you know, when you watch the movie, you'll see that at certain point. Not just yeah. not just with Potato, but, you know, another person in the film as well. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, mom has to mom has to come to terms with her her penchant for choosing the wrong person just because she wants or needs someone, you mm -hmm. know? So, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it so, is, uh, but it's human. Lucky, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that's human nature. And you, you were saying, um, God, you said something. And I said, well, yeah. Oh, when you were saying that you were skipping to your part, it's human nature to look for ourselves and, and things that have been created for sure. We um, all do know. with the ego, the ego. Mm -hmm, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know add that to like crippling anxiety where you can't stand the sound of your own voice and then you have a show yeah i deal with that too i so, also you know and it's funny too because i also I, you know something even more personal with me the thing that i feel like kind of separates me from other people is i struggle with tourettes and so even in this interview i've kind of been like you know a little bit of that from time to time oh, wow. and and no i don't do cocaine <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, well, it, it's my, yeah. my partner does too. She, you know, not suffers, but, you know, uh, deals with it. I've dealt with this yeah. since I was a kid. And, and it's interesting too, because in, in cinema, when you, you see people with Tourette syndrome, it's usually like, you know, ah, it's good. and it's yeah. like, that's not really uh, a positive representation. And so I feel like as filmmakers and as storytellers too, there's, there's still many aspects to the human condition that we can talk about. Right. If you, you know, if you didn't know, because you had said that uh, the ADHD, I thought, oh, he's just kind of manic right now. I would never have known because you're right. Only representation I've seen. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's fake. I've seen like people with Tourette's, but I think because their tics are, you know, fuck you, motherfucker, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> context. You think, oh, well, every person with Tourette's obviously cusses. No, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's all neurological. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my son is autistic and then, you know, this person is autistic and they're absolutely nothing alike. No, my so best friend's kid is, is autistic too. And again, like we put such a, it's so weird. We put such a negative connotation and not, I don't think intentionally, but you know, the things we don't understand, we tend to kind of make fun of. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, this kid, this kid, that's my, my best friend's son is uh, one of the greatest he draws mm -hmm. and he does, and he does these things. I'm just kind of like, I don't know anybody, you know? Um, and so I think everybody's struggling with their own thing. Um, 
that's another thing I teach in, in yoga as well is like we are all dealing especially in today's time of the pandemic is mm -hmm. we're all we're all dealing with something very heavy um acknowledge that and try to show up for yourself and to show up for other people and um yeah autism is I think that's also coming into a lot of light these days yeah. uh, a lot more a lot more understanding of it yeah <laughs> so if I come to Seattle can I come visit you guys can I come hang out? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I'm a huge fan of meeting up with people that I've connected with through Clint. If you've never been to Seattle, I know this place like the back of my hand. So yeah, it'd be fun to just hang out at some point. And, um, you know, I, like, I also think it's, it's a real, honestly, it's, it's, it's situations like this that make me feel like I've made it. And I really feel like there's, for me personally, I don't need to go up any higher. Having a conversation with you like this is, is one of the nicest highs I've ever had. And Aww. so just thank you so much. I really appreciate talking with you. All right. I'll bring my kid. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, it'll be a good time. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, you're, it's inevitable you are going to next month, you're going to hear about the Potato Dreams of America because this yep. movie is making a lot of waves. And so um, I really hope you guys watch it. And I hope you learn something. Hope you, hope you open up your mind a bit. And it's not a just, it's not a one view and done. You're going to watch it over and over again. You're going to watch it quite a few times because there's sweet. stuff yeah. you missed the first time. And there's also yeah. a website, potatodreamfilm.com, which is kind of Yeah. Cool. Check them out. Support them. Support local film. Uh, support mm -hmm. Wes Hurley. Uh, he's probably one of the most creative uh, genius artists that I've had the honor of working with. And I worked with David Lynch. So, I mean, like, yeah, that, right. You know, that's saying mm -hmm. something. But um, yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Oh, I just realized, isn't Starbucks like, isn't that Seattle's coffee thing? Yeah, that, that started here. Yeah. But if cool. you if you come here, though, and I'm going to do a shout out, Monorail Espresso. Okay. They're, they're the best. <laughs> All right. I, I yeah. will be there. I will be cool. there. I promise. All right, Thank James, you. it's been so much fun. Yeah. Thank you. you. You're amazing. And I had the best time. Likewise, this was a really lovely conversation. And um, again, thank you so much for the time and for allowing me to promote the film. Oh my God, you're the best. Hey, how are you doing? Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this creative conversation. Be sure to follow me on social media. I am Pup Duffy basically everywhere. You can follow the show on Facebook. It's Coffee, Candy, and Creatives. Head over to beunique.org. Like, follow, and support my beautiful humans over there. Be sure to check out my sponsor. And for your own sponsorship or interview opportunities, please email me at pup4ccc at gmail.com. If you like the music you're hearing, head on over to raleighkeegan.com and do yourself a favor and buy this album. You can download it or you can have a physical CD. You can also keep up to date on tour dates and future releases. As always, take care of each other, love each other, watch each other's back, and I'll see you next time.